everybody, and welcome to this new podcast called Distilling Design. So this is a podcast that I've started with my friend, colleague, partner, boss, neighbor, um, in which we are going to attempt to untangle the kind of the mess that is the design world. So hopefully by the end of this series, you will have a, a much greater understanding of not only the importance of design in your everyday life, but kind of what goes into it and a, a much deeper understanding of the whole design process. So a couple of introductions. My name's Matthew. Um, I'm a part one architectural assistant, which is basically just the first title that you get in the process of becoming an architect in the UK, which is where I studied. I did my undergrad actually in architecture and environmental engineering. So I really come at the world from this kind of combined technical as well as artistic view. So everything in my life, it's sort of there, there needs to be a balance between the two. And that's really what I try and bring to kind of everything I do. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jennifer. Thank you. That was very kind. Uh, my name is Jennifer and I am an interior designer. I have been doing this a very long time, um, studying in New York, working for various architects uh, in the beginning. And then I've had my own company for about 25 years. It's always been a nagging feeling that I wanted to speak more freely about what it's like to be an industry person. And, and it's been hard to do. There's never really been an opportunity to do that. So I think when I was talking to Matthew about doing a podcast, it was really to create that forum to be able to speak freely and to give people an idea of what it's like to be a designer, what it's like to be an architect, what it's like to go through the process of design, go through the process of getting permits and putting your design into the real world and, and seeing what the pros and cons, what the limitations are and, and what the boundaries are that you can push. We've talked about this a lot and I'm pretty excited about putting this online. We've come up with some ideas that we wanted to talk about and find it interesting. Matthew, did you want to start? Yeah, I mean, and I know for me as a sort of young, baby-faced ingenue, where I'm still sort of at that stage where I haven't been, I guess, beaten down by the society, that kind of thing. Um, you know, young people have a hard time getting their voices out there. Now it is a lot easier, I guess, with things like social media. Um, but you can only say so much in an Instagram post. Um, well, you can't really say that much in an Instagram post, actually. And so, you know, I thought this would be a sort of fabulous way of getting my ideas, you know, ideas that are shared by plenty of other people who are like me and think similarly to me out there to make sure that, you know, they're not lost. And, you know, we can look back on this or I can look back on this at some point and say, OK, yeah, I remember who I was. And, you know, that's important. So, um. So, yeah, I guess we both realized that a lot of people don't really, I think, understand what exactly is design. And that's not necessarily through any fault of their own. I'd say it's a really interesting concept for most people, but nobody really knows. And that is not just that's not just normal people. You know, half of the architects I know don't really understand what design is. So, you know, I guess I wanted to ask you, Jennifer, at, right off the bat, I guess, what, what is your definition of design? For me, actually, 
discussing all this with you brought me back into why I started this in the first place. And and because I think I've been in it for a long time, I, I am that little jaded person. But I'm trying to break out of that and and, and go back to to why I started this. Because I, I think design is is the process of planning something. And it, it's really digging deep into what somebody feels and how they feel in a space. And that planning process is the design process. Um, and I think the word design has become a little bit intimidating for people. And they, they, you walk into a room and you sit down at a table and you're discussing ideas and concepts with clients and they want to design something. But this sort of shield comes up as soon as you say the word design, when really, in fact, you're just planning a space, you're planning an environment. And, and the word plan is less intimidating, and but not more appealing. I think the word design is more appealing to people and, and they feel like they're really participating in something that they deeply care about. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, it makes sense that I, I kind of agree. And I mean, I would almost take it one step further because for me, design is not necessarily limited to rooms, to buildings, to like man-made objects. Like, you know, if you kind of think about it, everything has been designed to some point. So yes, okay, you can look at a bookcase and say, oh, that was that was designed. That was, you know, an idea in someone's brain. And then it, it, it became a physical object. It's the same for houses and buildings and, and everything that humans have created. But, you know, design exists in the natural world. You know, plants have been designed, trees have been designed, the mountains, all of it, you can say, has been designed. So when I when you kind of ask, like, well, what is its definition? It's, it's really hard to answer. And I'd almost just say it's just a process. It's a process of working through different iterations of anything, whatever that happens to be, to come up with a final, conclusive, physical thing. So, you know, if you look at, I guess, natural selection is, is a brilliant way of explaining design. The best option makes it the furthest. It's that that's in the natural world, in the, in the human, in the man-made world, it's exactly the same. Our houses... And our buildings have developed over certain years to meet our changing criteria and our changing needs as well as technological advancements. So I, th I think this idea of putting a definition on design is, is super, super hard, but also kind of quite important to help people understand. And, and if you sit down with somebody and they start to realize that everything surrounding them has been designed by someone or by something, whether it's by man-made processes or natural processes, that's a kind of really interesting starting point to kind of jump off of, I guess. Yes. And it's living. It never... The design process never ends and constantly evolving and, and that those changing needs, whether man-made or in the natural world, are constantly evolving. And, and I think the reason why I want to make sure that people get the idea that it's a constant process, that it's not finite, is just as important as understanding what it is. And even speaking from a kind of personal between you and I, like, you know, we've been in projects where designs have had to change because new babies are coming along or, you know, like just things happen, things progress, time goes forward. And throughout that process, the design has to change. It has to be adapted. You know, nothing is really, you, you don't ever really start from scratch. Everything is kind of started at a certain point and we've moved on uh, or built upon that 
point. So yeah, it's a kind of really interesting idea. So then, I mean, part of the reason why I've honestly spent the last five years trying to figure out how I can do something else with my life. And and I keep getting drawn back to design, art, architecture in the natural world, as well as uh, man-made objects and structures. And I think that's because I'm obsessed with space and I, I can't help but look at a room and and want to make it something different or just literally just for fun, not because it needs to. And then I found that interesting in speaking with you and speaking with other architects is that as soon as I walk outside, I have lost the, I lose the ability to see space as well. I, I really struggle. I, and so I've spent the last five years also sort of in this in and out um, idea that if I'm continuously drawn back to design, what is it about design that I want to learn more about? Because I need to keep expanding on how I understand it. And I, I, that's why I particularly love talking to architects because they see the world differently than interior designers do. They don't always see it correctly, but you know. <laughs> and that's speaking as an, I mean, any architect, I, I'm probably going to be like, have a target on my back now. So maybe it's good that my face isn't on this. Um, but you know, there is something to be said for architects traditionally hate interior designers, interior designers hate architects, engineers hate them both. I mean, there, there's all this kind of like almost one-upmanship in, in the design world between architects, engineers, designers, like all of those people, product designers, that somebody's work is always more important than the others. So on a big project, let's say, where you have everybody at the same table, the architect might be in charge, but everybody else's voices are just as important it's this kind of funny like they all hate each other and they all know they hate each other but they also understand that they have to lean on each other and you know you get to a point where you really understand you you get to sort of realize that a lot of architects don't understand how space works how internal space works because that's not really our job our job is more designing you know a building as a whole um, interior designers really un understand space and they can take a room and kind of make it work. An architect wouldn't necessarily be able to do that. Um, and an engineer is much more than just somebody who makes a building stand up. You know, there's there's nothing in the rule book that says engineering can't be beautiful. You know, if you look at work by Calatrava, who's probably the best example, you know, he's an engineer, yet his buildings are more like sculptures just on a really big scale that you can live in. But then I would say that someone like that is a designer because... Exactly, yeah. Because they, they, they can create something that is structurally sound, but make it beautiful at the same time. And I'm, I'm smiling at, at your definition because I hesitate to say that I've been sitting at the table with the architect and the engineer and, and everybody is trying to put their stamp on it and, and insisting that their way is a little bit more important than the other way when really they all need to be working together. I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to find a couple of architects and, and engineers who are much more open to my skill set. And through that process, then it makes the project work much smoother. And the difficulty is, is trying to relay all of these ideas, architectural ideas, interior design ideas and structural ideas 
to the client without overwhelming them, without intimidating them. And then at the end of the day, will the building codes allow it? I mean, there's so much that we can look into and and refer back to, but it, it does take an enormous amount of time and trying to get all these people in a room to agree with each other and fulfill the wishes of the client is actually an enormous amount of work. And I guess you know, that's really the important thing is that you fulfill the wishes of the client. You know, you could argue that design is not successful unless it fulfills a purpose. And most of the times that's the purpose that it's meant to fulfill is the desires of the client. You know, they sort of don't teach you that in school, that you might have all these ideas and all these brilliant designs in your head. But if that's not what the client wants, well, then you're not going to be able to do them. Like it's, it's, it's as simple as that. And I think unless you get to a certain level in architecture where you have a client that just kind of says, do whatever you want, which is very rare. (laughs) There's probably maybe 10 designers in the world that that could could do that. But yeah, your job is solely to, to fulfill the needs of the client. Now, saying that, I think a lot of the times clients have a sort of vision in their head of what they want, but they don't necessarily know why they want it. So, you know, it's really easy to, when you have a new client and you're sitting down with them for the first time, you can tell half the time if they've just been on on Pinterest and have seen modern minimalist house and like taken a couple of pictures and it's like, oh, well, that's what they want. And they don't necessarily understand that is not going to work for everything. It's not going to work for everyone. Maybe it doesn't work for your climate or for the type of house that you have or whatever the situation is. And I think that's hard for most people to understand, most clients to understand, which is really bad. You know, that we're not kind of, I think humans have an innate ability to know when something works and when something doesn't work. You know, you know, anybody knows if they go into a room that, it feels good. You know it. You don't necessarily know why, but you just know it. And that is where then the architects and the engineers and the and the interior designers and all of them are meant to kind of come in and say, well, hold on, these are your ideas. Sure, fine, we can build on that. But actually, what we need to do to make a successful space is this. And, you know, it's hard to sort of connect the two. Yeah, it is. It is. So I sort of feel like we've... Uh introduce a reason for doing this podcast. Should we wrap it up and then come back with some more questions? Yeah, I think so. I think we've uh, gotten a foundation. Okay. Okay. This is, uh, this is really fun. Thank you. Thank you. End of episode one. End of episode one.